Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Christopher Ford. Hello. Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. Shai Resnick. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Dohan Ulika. Hello. You want to introduce yourself real quick and uh, kind of give us a rundown of who you are and why you're famous? Sure. <laughs> you're too kind. Uh, my name is Dohan Ulika, and I am a technical fellow at Excel Consulting in Washington, D.C. I'm also a, a Google developers expert in Angular and web technologies. Um, a couple of years ago, I published a a best-selling book on Angular, Angular for Enterprise-Ready Web Applications. And otherwise, I'm really passionate about uh, uh, speaking at conferences and and uh, local meetups and, and teaching people everything that I love about technology. Awesome. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. Now, you're releasing a new version of your book, right? Angular yeah. Enterprise something, something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can just refer to it as, as Angular for Enterprise. Um, so, and, I, and I have that as a website as well, angularforenterprise.com. And um, so the, the first edition was Angular 6 uh, for enterprise-ready web applications. Um, but I've convinced my publisher to take the version name out of the book uh, for the second edition to reflect the the evergreen nature of of Angular and the the need to you know keep it up to date uh, all the time. I have a question, and it's not written on my hand, so I'm not reading it from my hand now. What is uh, like the definition of uh, enterprise? Like, what makes the enterprise application? That's a good question. <laughs> in my head, I'm just like really big. <laughs> yeah, so, my hand yeah. is enormous. Yeah, yeah. So what are the things that, you know, make that leap from your, you know, run of the mill basic app and then and then enterprise ready one, I guess. Uh, and and those are, uh, in my view, uh, you know, the ability to, to scale your solution. Uh, so your project should be able to scale without, uh, you know, crumbling or buckling. So, you know, you should pay attention to your code structure from the get go, your architecture from the get go. And also being able to easily plug into uh, authentication schemes that are out there uh, and, you know, keeping security in mind from the get-go and uh, you know, usability and some, some form of accessibility in mind from the get-go. So I would say those are the, the key elements of um, being enterprise-ready. So this may be a stupid question, but do you, in a book, do you, do you, take users through building a giant angular application as a sort of example of that or is it more just sort of code code examples of okay so you might encounter a scenario where you've got this complex form let's look at complex forms but sort of outside of the the scope of a, a large application 
So the, the book has two major samples in it. And the first part is more about um, introducing the reader to Angular Basics in a, in a simple app, uh, kind of like a, a, a local weather app where you, you know, type in your zip code or whatever, and you just get like, a, um, a, you know, the current weather from an online service. And then the second part uh, does indeed uh, build up a, you know, multi-page, you know, role-based uh, authenticated application with uh, some complex forms and, you know, showing how you can extend it even beyond that without adding more complexity to our solution. And then um, uh, most importantly, then it takes it to, you know, one step further, it shows you how you can then container, containerize your application and then uh, be able to publish it on a, on a you know, a cloud solution like AWS, Azure, uh, what have you. So what, what do you say are the like top three things that <clears throat> like the reader should uh, should apply or should like the principles they should apply in order to keep their app uh, you know uh, maintainable or scale ready or like all the definitions that we said before so i would say uh, the focusing on fundamentals is uh, very important and you know what are we talking about here uh, we're talking about uh, you know reactive uh, programming we're talking about applying object-oriented principles so you can create more reusable components using, you know, uh, abstracts, uh, generics, and interfaces. And uh, I would say, uh, finally, uh, just keeping an eye out on your backend implementation. Uh, so there's uh, one chapter in which uh, I go ahead and implement a, a full-stack uh, implementation of a sample API, and that is to demonstrate not everything is a front-end problem. Sometimes uh, when you're trying to uh, design a solution, it's easier to get something done on the backend. And at that point, you know, the code should be shifted into the backend and, and you shouldn't necessarily try to solve that problem on the front-end. So it's a balance of trying to keep things simple, you know, version everything correctly, like every API call you make you know, should have a, a version prefix, et cetera. And, and really at every turn, refactor your code, you know, try to make it more reactive, reuse as much as possible. So what did you suggest for like something like complex as uh, state management, for example? Do you talk about it in the book? Yeah, uh, this is a, a major addition uh, to the book uh, from the first, uh, compared to the first edition, you know, NGRX and, and similar solution really uh, gained lots of uh, popularity in, in the Angular space. And I actually uh, demonstrate uh, the same implementation in NGRX and just using simple uh, behavior subjects, and, and uh, to so that readers can really compare and uh, contrast, you know, what they're buying into. So, in my view, for vast majority of cases out there, having a, a behavior subject-based uh, information exchange within your app is adequate. Uh, but I I kind of uh, do my best to uh, demonstrate the the use cases for NGRX and uh, and inform the reader that you know they should uh, walk into it with eyes wide open and not just um, you know select it because it's it's a default option or or because someone just said it. So who's your who's your target um, 
readership for the book. I, I can see from your chapter list that, and you know, from what you've said that we've got sort of setting up your dev environment and creating your your first Angular app. So that's that's cool because obviously there's going to be people coming to this who've never used Angular before. But so uh, as as someone who's been using Angular for a few years, um, it sounds like you got some meaty topics. Um, Am I going to find? Am I going to find stuff in the book that, you know, I, I can sort of maybe skip the first couple of chapters? And obviously, I would read them, but um, you know, go ahead to to some more in depth stuff. Am, am I part of your target readership? So yeah, uh, even experienced developers, you know, especially experienced uh, Angular developers, uh, they will still find some of the earlier chapters uh, useful because I introduced a. Uh, a lot of tools and, and topic to keep the development environment of your team consistent across the board uh, because uh, a lot of uh, chaos uh, can be introduced with, you know, by using different IDEs, you know, with various settings and extension plugins, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, any developer who's worked uh, on a team of any size knows uh, merge conflicts are are you know your worst nightmares uh, when you when you try to go in and and check in your code. Uh, so uh, you know just uh, trying to avoid simple stuff like keeping you know formatting uh, consistent, even the the order of your imports on your file, you know keeping that consistent. Uh, these can be small things, but they they can snowball into uh, big problems for large teams. And and the earlier chapters uh, cover a lot of topics. Uh, that uh, cover the basics here. So it may not be personally the most useful thing to you, but it's something written down that you can share with the rest of your team uh, that you can, you know, point at and then and then make a decision of, okay, you know, uh, you know, this is something concrete that we can look at and 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 you know, pick and choose uh, what what may or may not work for your team. I'm very very pleased to hear that because I am definitely that guy who goes. Uh, excuse me, you've you've imported your things in the wrong order, and I think you should go back and change it. That's hundred percent me. So uh, yeah, sounds like I am in your target readership. Brilliant. Are you are you also one of those that like alphabetizes like the order of like their CSS <clears throat> properties? Oh uh, no, I'm not. I'm not that much of a sadist. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you if you have to discuss any of these things with your team members, uh, you know, on a on a daily basis, then then you're wasting your time, and 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 I've I've seen it in in many places where you know you kind of, uh, you know, go into a meeting and you know the development team is having trouble, and you know one of the in in the top five, um, there's always you know hey you know we disagree on naming things or we disagree on formatting things. And those those uh, should never be a conversation uh, on a, on a on a daily basis. It's something to to fight once about, and then you know get over it and and move on and and have a tool manage it. Hashtag no semicolons. <laughs> oh, oh, this feels like fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean uh, JavaScript has this uh, wonderful feature in it called automatic semicolon insertion. So if a if a language has implemented a feature, why not use it? I have actually been reading a book recently um, where the author has, has said, you might notice there's no semicolons in my code. And, and that's because I like to do it that way. And I'm like, and I don't think so. I'll put semicolons in. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I know. I use yeah. SCSS instead of full on SAS just because I like the uh, 
I, I like the extra symbols. I feel like it keeps me structured, but yeah, uh, there's <laughs> sides to both arguments. Yeah, I, I, I actually like no CSS at all. That's why I love Angular Material. Uh, that it by using Angular Material, I write the least amount of CSS uh, possible. So I, I think you. it's. A, I got you. You're yeah. one of those back end of the front end guys. <laughs> sure. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, like I see like the front end, you know, front end web development, there's like, it's basically full stack. So there's like things um, like you're building services and you're in, like deep in the JavaScript. Whereas there's also like, I like me, I want to build like a custom color picker from scratch doing all the CSS. Like, uh, so I think, uh, you know, you're a back end of the front end guy and I'm a front end of the front end person. So. <laughs> I mean, uh, so, um, one of the things that my book really highlights is, you know, the proper use of, uh, you know, components versus user controls in Angular. Uh, so all that kind of highly interactive code, you know, they should be encapsulated as user controls and all the insane, you know, CSS hacks or, you know, just, you know, event handlers all over the place, you know, ugly code that enables that wonderful, beautiful, you know, highly inter interactive user experiences, you know, they should be encapsulated. And in my view, the rest of the code should be very boring uh, because, you know, over time we want uh, maintainability of our uh, code base. And, and at that point, as you know, developers or engineers, we have to kind of serve to the lowest common denominator. So any team member can jump in and, and enhance a feature or add, you know, add a, you know, meet a business requirement or, or fix a bug, you know, without requiring uh, some kind of a, a magician or wizard to come in uh, to, you know, un, uh, untangle some, some crazy thing. Don, what made you write a book? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I ask myself that question, um, <laughs> especially when it's uh, 5 a.m. and you're, you're pushing and pushing and you, re you realize you're going to have to do this uh, you know, 200 more times before, before you can get to the end. It was, uh, it was the tail end of a kind of a, a startup, uh, that didn't go anywhere. And I was, you know, pretty used to working, uh, very hard and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to take a break for a year. And then that's when I got my uh, first book offer. And that's something that I always wanted to do something, you know, I can put on my bookshelf and, you know, just, export my brain into into something and and that way i could just you know relax and and move on with my life and then uh the the you know the first edition uh ended up becoming successful which which sucks because that means that you have to you have to do it again <laughs> and yeah. and at, at it that always point, sucks when some something you work hard on succeed it, it does it does uh, it's terrible and then, you know, I, I kind of like promised to myself, hey, I'm just going to, I'm I'm going to do my worst. I'm going to go in there and, and just, you know, do an update, you know, from, you know, version six to eight or something like that. And then I dug into it and I was actually towards the end of July last year, I was about two days away from completing um, the first draft for the second edition. And then I kind of uh, hit this, you know, massive wall and um, uh, which, you know, kind of triggered this thing where I took a step back and then, you know, rearranged uh, the 12 chapters into 14 chapters and four appendices. 
and added 200 new pages of content and what, what was, was the wall? wall was it just yeah was it just like yeah. working or <laughs> it's uh it was actually uh, uh swagger um are you guys familiar with swagger it's a uh, it's an api uh, documentation tool uh, it yeah we've done episodes on, it on javascript jabber have you heard of atwood's law he says that anything that can be built in JavaScript eventually will be built in JavaScript, and that includes mobile apps. You can build awesome mobile apps and Apple TV and other apps with React Native. Come check us out every week as we talk about some of the ins and outs of building mobile apps with JavaScript and with React on React Native Radio. You can find it at reactnativeradio.com. All right, so it's a fantastic tool. So if you're using you know, C Sharp or Java, you know, it'll automatically uh, generate these interactive uh, web pages, uh, so you can go and play with APIs um, uh, right there, and, and and you know find out you know what are the inputs and outputs, etc. So I was using Swagger to uh, mock a backend, so I didn't actually have to introduce the reader to you know a whole host of uh, technologies, uh, uh, so so they can you know as they're writing their Angular app, they could be actually interacting with you know, uh, something uh, that they've themselves have designed. But uh, it turned out that the, the tools uh, that allow you to mock a, a Swagger endpoint are extremely clunky. And I presumed from the first edition to the second edition, you know, these tools would all improve and everything would be, you know, a, you know, a cakewalk, but uh, that didn't happen. And at that point, I started realizing, hey, it's actually going to be a lot easier to introduce uh, the reader to a full stack application rather than uh, rather than you know teach them uh, you know something that they mock uh, you know which is a skill that's not going to be very useful. Uh, so uh, that meant uh, kind of you know doing a whole bunch of uh, extra extra coding uh, to to stand that up. And also as I was doing this stuff. The ecosystem is ever changing, of course, uh, with with JavaScript. And uh, there's uh, one one night I recognized Prettier changed their default HTML uh, bracket rules, so it would put the the end the ending uh, bracket to the to the next line. Uh, and and then I stared at my code, and then you know my stared my ugly code stared back at me, and um, and then I just had this huge, you know, pit in my stomach, this terrible feeling that, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to remove the version number from the book. I'm trying to make something that can survive more than six months without going out of date. How do I make sure that, you know, what I'm writing, the readers who pick up the book a year from now, two years from now, can still uh, get value out of this? So that means taking a few more steps back and then after... I think I published, uh, you know, four or five uh, npm packages that automates, uh, you know, your configuration of your Angular projects. Uh, you know, encapsulates a lot of reusable code for for unit tests, and then and then I published a VS Code plugin that tells you if your version of Angular is out of date, all that stuff. So I had to do all of this groundwork. Uh, just so that you know, I can get to a point, uh, you know, right before Christmas, uh, twenty nineteen, um, where uh, I got done with my first draft. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, now I feel good about this. You know, now you know when I. 
push this out there. If there's some kind of minor change in the ecosystem, I can actually uh, update my packages and then readers uh, who, are, who are running the samples later on will automatically get the benefit of those uh, updates. That was a very good answer. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, and, I, and I realize I didn't answer your question actually, but <laughs> why did, no, you answered. Um, and so you mentioned uh, keeping Angular evergreen, which is, so from my experience, uh, like uh, one, one of my clients, uh, we upgraded Angular at one point from, I think it was four to six. And the Angular part was smooth, okay? It was really like not a lot of work. But what happened is all the rest of the ecosystem, like, you know, all the cascading updates you needed to do, you know, uh, to, I don't know, uh, Kendo UI or Angular Material, what, whichever you use, or, um, you know, all the, so, you know, dependencies on RxJS and, and all the like bootstrap and like ng bootstrap and stuff. So um, did you deal with those things as well? Or do you deal with them with uh, uh, the Angular Evergreen initiative? Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but if you can and maybe uh, give a description, that would be Absolutely, cool. Absolutely, yeah. So um, the... Uh, extension is now available on the Visual Studio Marketplace, so you can definitely check it out. And there's also a website for it, angularevergreen.com. And um, first and foremost, uh, I love Angular CLI, and this uh, extension heavily relies on CLI. And over time, CLI actually has gotten really good at you know uh, updating uh, at least your your basic packages like you know material flex layout you know uh, rxjs etc so it covers a lot of uh, ground already i do i do also have another tool that i love um it's this is not integrated into the uh, extension but you know it can be it's called uh, npm check updates uh, ncu for short and uh, ncu kind of scans all your uh, javascript dependencies and it tells you you know what new versions are available uh, so that's a that's a, a great way to keep your packages up to date. Uh, but for me, the the biggest thing, the biggest issue has been is you know my lack of awareness of you know when a patch or a minor version of Angular gets published. You know, usually you hear about it when uh, a, a new a major version uh, gets published. You know, you know seven or eight or or what have you. Uh, but you know when you're doing day to day development and and you're dealing. With, with your client or your team uh, or, or you're just heads down, you're just implementing stuff, you know, you don't really just go in and check, you know, oh, hey, was there a patch push last night or was there a minor version push last night? So uh, what this extension does is it, uh, you know, right there in your IDE, it tells you what your current version is and what the, the latest uh, version is. And also if you're writing a book, uh, this is especially, especially annoying whenever there's like a new RC, you know, if you're not hooked into, the, you know, Angular's GitHub every, every single day, you know, you're not necessarily going to be aware that a new RC release uh, came out. So it was a, uh, it's a great way of uh, kind of being aware of, uh, all of all of this information right there within your uh, IDE. So does, does the Evergreen plugin does it does it just advise you that new versions are coming out, or can it can it 
help you out by like does it say oh you know would you like to up, update your version or guide you through it or can it do it for you yeah That's uh, maybe it actually much, no, it, it does actually uh, come with uh, uh, some, you know, uh, a quick commands uh, section. So, um, you know, one of it is uh, configure VS Code for Angular. So that actually uh, hooks into uh, some of the NPM packages I created. So it'll, you know, configure your prettier and, uh, you know, all of, uh, all of those things uh, for you. It'll even, you know, write your extensions.json uh, file. So your, you know, everyone can have the same uh, VS Code extensions. And then uh, it does give you um, visibility into, you know, being able to just execute, you know, update, updating your Angular CLI and Angular core, you know, versus uh, updating Angular dash dash all, uh, because, you know, you always have to update CLI and core before you can update dash dash all. And then, uh, you know, there are options for including, you know, running with dash dash force, you know, which is, you know, what you have to do, especially if you're uh, working with the next version of Angular, you know, because there's always, it always seems to, you know, fall out of sync uh, with whatever uh, TypeScript version you're working with. And then um, I also included a script in there uh, that says, you know, run a post update checkup. And what that does is, you know, every single time you upgrade Angular, you know, you have, before you commit that code, you know, you should make sure you build it, but not just build it, you have to make sure you build it in prod mode and then you have to run your unit tests and your, you know, end-to-end -end tests. Uh, so it's a, it's a script that just kind of, uh, you know, runs all of that stuff back to back uh, without you having to, uh, to, to baby through it. So it does, it does provide some, some help and it could be a lot better. Um, it's an open source project. So uh, pull requests are, are most welcome. Nice. Thank you for creating the, this tool. Absolutely. So what's the thing at the core of the book? I'm, I'm just curious, like what, what are kind of the easy wins? You know, we've talked about the plugin and we've talked about some of these approaches, but you know, it's, it's a long book. So what is in there that, that's going to make this easier on enterprise folks and specifically address the challenges they have that other folks aren't going to have? So yeah, uh, something that adds to the length of the book was uh, in this edition, I also added a lot of uh, conceptual introductions into topics. Uh, so uh, that's something that, you know, we tend to miss out when we're just, you know, reading a, a blog post here and there, or we're just rushing from one thing to the next and we're not really, you know, taking a look at the bigger picture. So, you know, what's the difference between a 700 page book and, you know, 230 blog posts? Uh, I would say the 700 page book is self-consistent. So, there, you know, there's no easy out. You know, you can't really, you know, trick, trick your way, way self uh, out of a hard, hard problem that you need to solve an address, uh, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, different blog posts that you're writing months apart. Uh, in that case, you may not even remember, you know, you suggested one thing, you know, six months ago, and then uh, six months later, you know, you're kind of, uh, you know, quote unquote, conveniently avoiding uh, an issue uh, that that's going to trip, you know, someone up. Did you so, find that often, like as you're writing that you had to like go, oh no, like looking back, I said this and now we need to incorporate that again, or was that a struggle? Absolutely. That's, that's the most difficult thing uh, that I, that I had to do was uh, being, uh, you know, self-consistent uh, across everything I did. And, and that did often mean, you know, 
going back and rethinking my strategy, it, it really makes you think a lot harder about what you're proposing uh, that someone should do because you're, you yourself are going to suffer the consequences of that uh, pretty heavily, uh, you know, just within the process of writing this book. But from an enterprise perspective, you know, your app is going to live a long time. So you should be equally, uh, you know, thinking long and hard about the solution that you're bringing in, you know, that third party library that you're going to bring in. Uh, yeah, it's solving some problem at that moment, but it's going to create uh, so much potential issues down the line for you. Uh, so uh, that's something I really paid uh you know, a lot of attention into is, is avoiding uh, bringing those uh, third party things in. Um, and so, you know, that's the one thing the book does is every time you learn a new pattern, a new recipe, you know, be reusable forms being, you know, caching, routing, data grids, et cetera, everything, you know, always, you know, comes back around to the, to the same, you know, fundamentals, you know, reactive coding and, and these, uh, you know, the same patterns over and over again. Uh, so I, I, I would say that's the, that's the, the biggest value of the book is, is every you know, piece of it that you can refer, refer to uh, is, you know, self-consistent within, with, with, every, with everything else uh, in, in the book. And, and they will, they're minimal solutions. So you can easily take it and apply it to your, uh, to your applications because I'm not uh, forcing anything, you know, on you. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of, uh, you know, add your own flair to it, it's easy to do so. I'm very impressed. This not only with, you know, one, but two books and the fact that you are able to achieve that where you're consistent throughout with them, your story and your advice. And, uh, I, how long did it take like to do the second one? Was it, was it much, which much quicker? So, yeah, uh, I, I thought it'd be much quicker. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the, the first two months was, was kind of just adding more depth into the stuff. And then, and then I had to take a break from the end of July to, uh, to kind of the beginning of, uh, or end of September, uh, when I realized I have to reorganize and retool everything. And then it was a pretty grueling, uh, uh, two, two months and a half, uh, between, you know, October and, and Christmas, uh, you know, basically end of December, uh, to, to get through it all. Uh, it was, it was terrible. It nearly killed me. And, uh, my wife made me swear not to do it again. So, so we'll see. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is 
more or less a continuation of the Food Fight show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. So when does that edition come in? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Anyway, that sounds like Tuesday here. <laughs> yeah, Shai kind of lives in this perpetual... Uh... No, not anymore, not anymore. I converted. <laughs> Well, presumably, because because you've written a book with a, a view to keeping it evergreen, in theory, you would never need to write a new edition. Is that is that right? That was the lie that I told myself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I and that's why I uh, wanted to spend so much more time, you know, making the content richer and you know supported by tools that I can update and not have to update the book itself. So that's very much the in, the in, intent that this is kind of like the the final edition of of this particular topic or or lens at, at looking at uh, Angular. Bear, bearing in mind that it, you've written it in this evergreen way, did you use Angular eight when you were putting it together, or did you use? Have you been using sort of the nine release candidates? So it's actually the the code samples. I've started writing them. Uh, back in Angular 4 and 5 and continually upgrade them over the years. And then, yeah, the, the moment uh, the RCs started coming out, I upgraded the RCs. And um, so I know everything is compatible. Everything runs, uh, no problem. Um, and and that's why I'm like so excited about Angular 9 because it's, it's bringing, uh, you know, uh, this awesome new rendering engine without breaking anything in, in, you know, user land, uh, so, so to speak. And, uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm hoping Angular nine is wrapped up, you know, in February uh, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, I'll be able to publish, uh, by the end of, by the end of the month. Has it been difficult keeping up with uh, with all the RCs? Am I right in thinking it's up to 11 now? So have they done 11 RCs? 12, actually. 12, okay. I know that. And, and I know that because <laughs> I have the Angular Evergreen uh, extension that tells me of course. Uh, that information. Well, excellent side the plug last, there. The last RC. So. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, or is it? <laughs> I think that's what uh, Steve Influence said in the GDE channel. I think. <laughs> That or there was a tweet about it. I don't know. I need to go look. But someone said 12. We're doing, that's that's it on the RCs. So. <laughs> so we'll get it soon. Releases are ready when they're ready. <laughs> right? That's, I like that's, it. You build in that wiggle room and I'm like giving them like a, a hard deadline. So tell, <laughs> tell that to management. <laughs> they're ready when they're ready, except for when there's a conference coming. <laughs> Well, there's time before NGConf, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, good deal. Well, anything else that we should jump on before we go to picks? Where do people get your book? Uh, you can get my book on angularforenterprise.com. I'll have links for uh, Pact where you can get it with the ebook and the code samples, et cetera. Uh, or I'll have the, the Amazon link where... Um, you know, I'll get extra few more cents uh, because you use my referral link. Good deal. There's something else I was going to ask. Oh, how do people connect with you online? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Deluca, D-U-L-U-C-A. 
uh, or check out my uh, many open source projects on GitHub uh, at github.com slash DeLuca. All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this. Oh, I guess we need to do picks and then we'll wrap it up. Sorry, I've been really off today. Shai, do you want to start us off with picks? No, I want to wait and then uh, to say my picks. He's waiting to make fun of my picks. Um, Alyssa, do you want to give some picks? I am pickless today, so I just want to say that. Wow. I'm no, no, I, I, I actually um, have a pick, but I will wait. <laughs> He's waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay. He's lurking. Uh, Chris. Lurking. <laughs> Pick lurker. All right, I'm yes, I can I can pick. Um, I'm going to pick a Twitter account that I follow uh, and pay too much attention to. Uh, it's at Emoji Tetra, which is E M O J I T E T R A, and it is um, it's a Twitter bot uh, that basically runs a game of uh, that he makes a great pains to say it's not anything to do with Tetris, but it's effectively Tetris with emojis. And uh, his bot just generates random pieces and then people have to vote in a Twitter poll as to what you want to do with the thing. And uh, it sounds it sounds maybe a bit lame, but I've been playing this for about a year and um, I highly recommend awesome. people check it I'm out. looking it up. <laughs> uh, I, I find that if I'm, you know, when you're waiting for your test to run, oh, I wonder what's going on with the emoji Tetra. Uh, <laughs> So yes, that's that's my pick for today. Nice, nice one. Very cool. Okay, now I want to say my pick. Okay. Uh, I just was lurking in the dark. Okay, so one pick is a cool episode of the Joe Rogan podcast with a person called Naval Ravikant. Uh, very cool. It's about uh, mm, a lot of a lot to do with uh, financial freedom and you know, psychology and stuff like that. So I'll just put the link in the show notes. And the second pick is that this month, uh, we're opening up again, uh, the roadmap to Angular testing mastery, which is a free workshop that I'm doing. Um, so uh, it will be on testangular.com. And I'm very excited. I just finished the uh, I'm about to finish the, fir the first uh, batch uh, of the new version. And we did like a session on observable testing and all that stuff, like on the, on the cor course, like the testing basics, class testing basics. Uh, so that's cool. And that will be available on testangular.com. So those are my picks. All right, cool. If I'm going to throw out some. Hot, um, I had a pick too. Can yeah, I, go I ahead. Yes, pick. All right. Um, I'm really loving the new uh, Microsoft Edge uh, Chromium browser. I've actually been uh, using it since uh, it was in, in uh, dev release uh, this entire fall. And I actually wrote uh, my book uh, using, using that release. Uh, so I really love that there's a, there's a capable alternative to Chrome. And I think uh, that's going to help the ecosystem positively. All right. I'm going to throw out a couple of picks. Um, these are all things that I've kind of got in the works. Um, the first one is, and this is something for you all. You can all go enjoy this now, unless you're on this call, and then you can go enjoy this tomorrow. Um, we are launching a podcast in partnership with Clean Coders. 
If you don't know who Martin is, um, you can definitely go check him out. Um, But yeah, Clean Coders is there. They have video series about all kinds of stuff related to writing better code. And so definitely go check them out at cleancoders.com. And then we're, like I said, we're running the podcast. It's going to be hosted on devchat.tv. I've already done eight interviews for the show. And uh, it's been... It's been awesome. I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, some of the folks are actually here in Utah. And so two of the interviews are going to be live. Uh, well, recorded live in person. So um, anyway, go check that out. The first episodes with Bob, we're talking about Clean Agile. I think my favorite ones, we did one with Chris Powers and he talked about just writing better code in the browser. But he all, we also got a lot into like leadership and you know getting your team to adopt those adopt the principles that you're trying to push forward and things like that. Um, we got into that with a couple of other guys too. And it, it's just been really, really great. The, the guests have been ter- terrific. We've been interviewing their authors. So anyway, um, yeah, sounds, really dig Sounds that. super interesting. Yeah. So go check it out. Devchat.tv slash clean dash coders. A uh, few other things that I've got going, as you know, last year I re- released my book. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job, putting together a workshop on that. So um, basically, it's going to be group coaching every week, uh, an hour, you come, ask questions, whatever. I mean, we'll stay longer if more people are there and have questions. You'll also get access to the course that I'm building for it. So you can go check that out. I'm doing another one, same deal on how to stay current. Because people ask me all the time, how to stay current on this. I'll show you. Um, And then the last one is going to be how to start your own podcast. So if you've been thinking, I want to start a podcast, I don't know how, blah, blah, blah. Um, I handle most of the stuff for the hosts here. They just show up and record um, and be awesome, right? And then we make them awesome by cleaning it up. So Hey, I'm I'm doing makeup as well. So don't be... Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, prettier. Yeah. So we're going to run all of those probably starting in March. So um, if you go to devchat.tv slash workshops, I'm only opening up like 10 or 12 spots on each of those. So if you want in, you probably need to sign up now. But uh, yeah, go check those out. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on. So I'm going to do the self-serving plugs right now. All right, folks. Well, um, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Thanks everyone for coming and being awesome hosts. We'll be back next week, and in the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.